0: In spite of painful, crippling grief, in spite of the pain of a grief that knew no bounds, that crippled their very ability to act, the women rose up early to serve. In spite of their doubt, in spite of their grief, in spite of their pain, they rose up early to serve. And for that they were the first to hear. Christ is risen. The message of the angel was probably first whispered in Hebrew. Ha Mashiach Wakam. Okay, couldn't quite get that out. In the darkness, at the end of Holy Week. The first Jewish Christians, for fear, did not dare to shout back the reply, Be, emet, quam. Yet soon he had appeared to many on the road, in places places of work, places of of a meal. He appeared to many, and soon the Greek-speaking Jews among them, called the Hellenists, began to chant, Christos Anesti, Christos Anesti, Christ is risen. That message could not be held in fear behind closed doors. It could not stay whispered long. But it took those willing to speak in the language of a stranger to carry the message from the familiar territory of Jerusalem to the far away corners of the world. The founding families of the disciples all spoke the same language. They were Hebrew-speaking Jews. They were Jews culturally. Their language was Hebrew. Many of them were interrelated. And there was a natural community of love within their walls that made communion all the more sweet. They held all things in common, probably because they were kin, and kin take care of themselves. They take care of one another. The bond among those kin was as sweet as the taste of heaven, and it had the scent of the incense of myrrh upon it. It was sweet. Yet on the fringe of that precious community, there were those who were not being taken care of, those of different language and culture, the Hellenists. While they were converts from the old faith to the new, they had a difficult time breaking into the established community. Perhaps they hadn't been there from the beginning of Jesus's ministry. Perhaps their cultural habits were somehow different, and most likely they weren't related to the Founders. And the most marginal among them, the widows, were especially neglected. In the law, the Lord had said, when you reap your harvest in the field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to it, for it shall be left for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord may bless you in all the works of your hands. While the law had made a provision for the poor, who could glean or pick up the leftovers from the harvested fields, these poorest of the poor were just perhaps too feeble to do it for themselves, and just perhaps they had no family to carry them there. Their need was an opportunity for the early community to act, and this was revealed very clearly to the church. And it was revealed very clearly that on the one hand, there was the need for the apostolic ministry of the preaching of the word. So too on the other hand, there was the need for the practical human needs, needs that everybody knew had to be met. Everybody agreed to it. So gifted people were set aside as a priority. Gifted people were designated and chosen. Um, Among them, the names that you see there are are all Hellenist names. They're all the names of Greek-speaking Jews, with one exception, who it says was, was a uh, proselyte, a convert. But yet, I'll bet you they took care of the Hebrew widows just the, t- the same as they took care of the Greek widows. They didn't just take care of their own. For they had been given a new responsibility in the new church, this pleased, the whole community. Now other than the fact that the widows got taken care of what was the result of this intentional service by the people of the church? Listen very carefully to the next verse in Acts. Then, let me say that again, then, after that, then the Word of God spread Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. The mission spread from Jerusalem to Judea, to the uttermost parts of the earth, even to beautiful downtown Isla Vista. Can it be, can it be that service done in love relates to the growth of the church? Can it be that service done in love is what happens before growth? Not just our preaching, but our presence and our acts. Can it be? Can it be that hand in hand with the ministry of the altar, the worship that occurs there, the teaching that occurs in this place, the raising of our children, all of those things that occur in this place, can it be that the spirit and the service of the deacon in each one of us, not just those so designated by the name deacon, but the spirit of the deacon within each one of us, can it be that it might empower our growth? Can it be that it might fulfill the reason for us to be a church in the first place? Can it be that which happens? Before the then of the growth of the church. Do we want to grow? Do we want to have that which comes after the then that the gospel went forth from that place? We, like our Lord, were born not just to be served, but to serve. Our community's been here for a long time. We began with an intimacy that was much like the house churches at Jerusalem. And as much as our passion for our journey to connection with the ancient faith, we did love one another. We did everything together. We loved one another. We still do. Some of us came here as boys, and now we're old men. Within these walls, there was a community that was built on caring and continues to be built on caring. We have been given the opportunity to develop ministries, ministries that touch the lives of many. St. John of Damascus, the Atrium, St. Bridget, Orthodox Christian Fellowship, outreach, music, uh, building program, uh, the beautification of this humble space, to turn it into into a place that is a touch of heaven. All of those are ministries. Beautiful families have been nurtured within these walls. This place has been a sweet home that draws the wanderer back. Yet what is it? What is it that will take us from this Jerusalem to the full measure of what we were birthed to be? What is it that will keep our ministries, all of our excellent ministries, from becoming competitors with one another instead of being united in love with the same mission? What is it that will draw the stranger in so that we might both reach out and reach in? If we build a perfectly beautiful house, if we build a perfectly beautiful house with perfectly efficient ministries, and have not loved those who are not our kin, then our house will be a hollow place. As it was in the beginning, so it is today. It is by our love that they will know us, not just our love for our own, but our love for the widow and the stranger and the foreigner. Love is not a theory. It is the intentional practice of service. It is ministry and service connected. It is the altar and the outside connected, woven together, going from here, going to there, going back and forth. It is ministry connected to ministry. It is not a theory. It is intentional. For this, each one of us, not just those who have the name deacon, but those who are given to be deacon. And that is all of us, for service is the task of us all. It is our ministry to be connected and not competing. We must discover the spirit of those first deacons. Those deacons who so loved the church and so cared for those who were on the margins of the church. That is how the church will grow. And that is a church-building program in itself. That is a church-building program that is not touched or sidetracked by a slowdown in the economy. Let us keep talking these difficult days, these days where we may see ourselves as stalled in growth. Let us keep talking about how we might build the church that we might build the church. When we are moved to serve each other and to care for the stranger, then that will proclaim to the world in every language that Christ is risen, and that he is risen not just for us, but for them. When we dare to proclaim Cristo ha resucitado to our neighbor. Then we will begin to grow. Christ is risen for the life of the world and for its full salvation. Let us be there.